0: Welcome to our latest podcast, where we focus on cash and liquidity management, technology, trade, and investment trends with Standard Chartered's Tarakel Yaffe Yafi, Regional Head of Cash Management Sales, and Karen Hom, Managing Director of Transaction Banking. Meg Coates, Treasury Today's publisher and head of operations, travel to Standard Chartered's New York offices to discuss how the bank is supporting its clients on key treasury-related topics, from managing working capital to navigating supply chain challenges and investing in the short term.
1: Hi, Karen and Tarek. Great to be here with you both today. Hi, Meg. Lovely to see you here in New York.
2: Great to see you, Meg. Thank you.
1: Fantastic. So Tariq I'm going to come to you first. Could you talk a little bit about the exciting technology evolutions in Treasury? How is technology supporting corporate liquidity and working capital, especially around payments and trade finance?
2: There's been a lot of exciting technology developments in Treasury. I can tell you that many years ago, banks used to build a lot of these technology solutions themselves. Today, that's not really the case. So today we partner with a lot of FinTech firms to co-provide solutions to our clients around working capital solutions. An example of that is um, recently we partnered with Talia, which is a supply chain solution capability that offers an excellent technology platform with thousands and thousands and thousands of suppliers um, so that we can help our clients take advantage of, of working capital solutions on the supply chain side. Years ago, we would try to do that ourselves within the bank, but then we would only have a limited number of suppliers. So partnering allows us to massively expand our supplier database. Lots of other examples um, that I could talk about on the cash management space, primarily driven by instant payments and digital solutions. So today we're able to offer more real-time payment capabilities in multiple markets. So, you know, 15 years ago, only the UK was providing instant payment solutions. Today, there's over 20 countries just in our footprint that provide instant payment solutions. And what that can do is massively transform how our clients do their payments and collections in market. Um, And what that will do ultimately is speed up the time to cash. So what that ultimately does is also improve the liquidity position of our clients as they do business in many of our markets.
1: Fantastic. Thank you, Tarek. And Karen, have you got anything to add to that?
3: Sure. Thanks, Meg. Um, Adding on to what Tarek said, I would say one area of focus that we've had is um, working with fintech providers to actually be a part of a company's website where we're offering payment solutions, either a direct link into Standard Chartered or a white-labeled solution, giving the Companies, customers more opportunities to take advantage of the new payment methods. I would also mention from a last mile collections point of view, if you have logistics companies that are delivering iPhones, for example, out in Indonesia, um, traditionally they used to have to pick up cash, they would be carrying a lot of cash back with the new technology with instant payments, that can all be done digitally, the driver just really needs to do his job, deliver the phone, and um, the, the cash is out of the equation, it makes for a much more efficient process. Brilliant. And then Tarek, how should corporates access these technologies?
2: So I I think um, the first way I would answer that is to bring in your banks and your fintech providers into um, your organization and actually bring in your commercial partners as part of that conversation. And I think that, you know, because what we're talking about is integrating some of these capabilities into the commercial process of our clients. So I think you do that by maybe doing a workshop with your partner and then finding out what the ultimate best solution is and then going from there. A big part of this would be, how do you leverage some of the new APIs that are being developed in the market? APIs are great because they are a lower cost, faster method of connecting and integrating with your banking or fintech providers. And the reason that's important is, you can actually have more real-time access to some of the capabilities that are being rolled out. As I mentioned earlier, you know, if you think about instant payments, the best way to access those instant payments is by leveraging an API, which allows you to connect and get feedback on the status of that instant payment. And in many cases, some of the local clearing requires an instant connection so that you can actually execute those particular transactions. Ultimately, all this results in better client experience. It provides faster time to cash, which ultimately provides for better liquidity.
1: And Karen, could you talk about the pressures on working capital? How is the macro environment as well as supply chain disruption putting pressure on working capital?
3: We're definitely seeing our companies have a higher level of inventory. They're holding it longer, they're not converting it to cash as quickly, and it's causing a real strain on their their actual cash on hand. Um, The supply chain disruptions are expected to continue. We've got volatile markets, we've got political tension, we've got unstable effects. It puts our treasurers in a tough position to manage their cash forecasting. Uh, So as we expect that to probably continue into 2023, taking control out of the data that they get on collections received um, helps them better forecast their cash instead of waiting for the Excel files, if you will, from overseas and maybe some buffer cash being put in there. The treasurers have full access to everything that's coming in and everything going out, and it makes them more informed and better able to manage their working capital in this environment.
1: Great. And then Tarek, how should corporate treasury manage working capital in this current environment?
2: So I think the key is flexibility. The flexibility to keep excess cash when you're uncertain about what's going to happen. And and clearly there's been a lot of uncertainty that's been delivered in the last few years, starting with the pandemic, as Karen mentioned, right? So everything's higher. There's been supply chain disruption. So flexibility is important, not just around keeping excess liquidity, but I think as as Karen mentioned earlier, you also have to think about diversifying your supply chain. So you need to find alternate supply chain sources, and you can only do that in partnership with the actual commercial part of your business. Related to flexibility is also getting better terms from your banking partners. So as you think about your cash, you have to think about consolidating some of your banking relationships, which allows you leverage to negotiate better terms, potentially both on the lending side, as well as on on the cash side. The third thing that I would mention is leveraging banking working capital solutions to provide alternative source of funding. So when you think working capital, you can either go to your banking partners or you can find optimal ways to unlock internal cash. And that's what I talked about earlier in terms of finding either receivable solutions or providing supply chain solutions where your banking partners or fintech partners can be in the middle between your clients or your suppliers. So those are some of the ways that we've seen and and we've seen aggressive uptake in some of these solutions in the last couple of years, obviously starting with the pandemic, but we have not seen that slow down um, in, in recent times.
1: And could you share how trends in global trade and shifting supply chains are impacting treasury and the types of conversations that you're having with your clients?
2: The big lesson in the shifting supply chain is don't put all your eggs in one basket. China will continue to be very important for the foreseeable future in the supply chain story. But what we've seen clients do is shift their supply chain closer to home, and also add additional inventory suppliers, raw material suppliers. Um, And I think Karen mentioned that, we're seeing some of our US clients look at bringing their manufacturing closer to home, either near shoring, so here in the United States, or in Mexico, uh, where you don't have to worry about the long logistics period, and you're much closer to home and much closer to where the ultimate clients are, in many cases. The second thing that I would mention is ESG as an emerging factor. So recent attention to climate change, recent UN sustainability goals has driven a lot of our clients to rethink how they bring in sustainability into their businesses. There are two ways that I would think about that. One is working capital solutions. So how do you bring in trade? How do you bring in sustainability into your working capital trade finance? As an example, uh, solutions, how do you make sure your suppliers stay sustainable? And what impact would that make on your business? And then the second piece, which is really much closer to what I do, is how can you provide sustainable deposits? So the actual investments that our clients are looking at, you can actually keep those deposits in sustainable certified cash management um, funds. And that could actually help with the overall move towards, in what I believe is is a, a trend towards helping with the sustainability agenda.
3: I think to add on to what Tarik had said, overall, we're looking for a positive growth globally in 2023. We're hopeful that that will help free up some of the supply chains. In the meantime, of course, we have uh, longer term projects with our companies moving their supply chains closer to home, but if the overall supply chain and the import of manufacturing from key centers in China and India becomes back on track, especially China, we're gonna see a huge change in that, and hopefully things will start turning around quickly. On the trade side, obviously there's been a growth in receivables financing and distributor financing. Companies are trying to better monetize their outstanding assets um, and turn them around more quickly. So in terms of opportunities, I would definitely mention those three trends. So how are higher interest rates impacting corporate
1: borrowing or investment strategies? Are you seeing any particular trends when it comes to accessing finance or investing short-term capital?
3: Definitely, we're seeing an immediate focus on taking control of longer term debt, such as uh, revolving credit facilities, as well as looking at bond maturities and how our corporates can better manage the next 5, 10, 30 years forward. Uh, There's definitely uh, cheaper hedging strategies that can help manage your interest rates, so we see that on the increase. On the asset side, companies are actually seeing interest income as a revenue growth line. We work closely with our companies on how to best manage that from automating statements and automating interest rate increases, taking it off the table so they're not always checking. We're expecting three to five interest rates this year on top of the multiple ones last year. So that definitely needs to be as efficient as possible. Additionally, in terms of investing short-term capital, we see companies looking for uh, longer-term investments more than they did last year. They have the ability to lock in longer-term interest rate increases that can be more priced into the market now that we have a better control on it. Overall, we offer sustainable deposits as well, which can be both on the short-term and the long-term. And our companies are trying to gain as best control over their cash on hand as possible with these strategies.
1: Brilliant. Thank you. And Tarek, what are the biggest risks and opportunities for Treasury as we move through 2023?
2: So for risks, I would definitely put geopolitical at the top. Obviously, the Russia-Ukraine war disrupted multiple client businesses, you know, U.S. clients that had business either in Ukraine or in Russia. It also had a massive impact, um, affects volatility, um, as well as inflation Given the impact on gas prices when the war started, we do think that there continues to be risk in 2023. Um, and I think that's one to keep an eye on. The second is you know because of uh, inflation, there's still lots of concern around economic slowdown and recession. So what that means is you know the continued focus on ensuring you have the cash to withstand. Some of that slowdown recession, and you can withstand what's happening. offsetting that, which is a bit of an opportunity, is we are we do think that our eastern countries will begin to see growth with China coming out of lockdown. So we, I think you may have a east versus west disparity there. Um, and as always, we do think that cybersecurity is a risk. And we're seeing a lot more cybersecurity issues, uh, and I think that'll continue to grow. So treasurers need to make sure that their systems are protected um, and that they're continuing to invest in in protecting systems from cyber fraud and and cyber attacks. Uh, On the opportunities, I mentioned China, but I would also suggest that, you know, given what I mentioned earlier around new technologies, there is an opportunity to leverage some of the new digital capabilities, um, including instant payments to expand businesses and expand your business, reach new markets, reach new clients. I think that's one that um, there's always opportunity for growth. I also mentioned sustainability and ESG. There are a lot of ways that companies can leverage, you know, bank tools as well as fintech tools, to move towards a more sustainable uh, business practice, and this impacts every single segment that we do business in. Um, and I, we do think that there's opportunity here to leverage some of the new ESG themes, including sustainable deposits that I mentioned earlier.
1: Great, and then Karen, coming back to you, in your view, what does a well-run treasury team look like?
3: We definitely like to see the support at the top for the treasury team. The treasurer is seen as a strategic leader and they'll look for their regional treasury leads for input across what's going on by region. And they'll look to bring consultative business ideas to the company. They've already seen which banks are available in that market. They have the connectivity available with the banks. And they can help guide the business on what might be realistic projections on how soon to market they can generate revenues. Secondly, I would mention investment in technology as being a core differentiator for technology groups. Those groups that have invested in those large, expensive uh, technology projects generally have better access to data. They're definitely more on top of their cash forecasting, and they're generally spending less manual time on reconciliation. And Tarek, anything to add from your side?
2: Yeah, I completely agree with what Karen said on The treasury team being a strategic partner to the commercial businesses, especially with commercial growth. But I would also say that I think that clearly the treasury team needs to be on top of their internal uh, working capital story. And that means efficient operations. It means global visibility where they have accounts globally, making sure they're optimizing all the liquidity that they have, especially have that very global operations in my experience, a centralized treasury means you know you you have access to pretty much over ninety percent of the cash within the company, and you're finding ways to leverage and optimize that cash so that you don't need to borrow as much. So you don't need to draw down on some of the supply chain tools I mentioned earlier. The cheapest source of funds is internally sourced funds. So related to that is risk management and controls. You know, making sure that you have an efficient way to add. Just to be very specific, add signers to your accounts, remove signers from your accounts, making sure that you have very tight controls around who has access to uh, the financial systems within the company. Um, And then finally, I would say talent management. If for Treasury to be at the forefront of technology and understand how to best leverage the tools that we talked about earlier, I, I think you need to make sure that you have the best talent, not just accountants but technologists that could be part of the treasury team. And that's what I think a well-run treasury looks like.
1: Fantastic, and then ending on a, a big question here, what are the most important lessons that you've learned in your career so far?
2: So if um, I was to think about when I started my career over 25 years ago in cash management, um, a lot of what I was doing was you know, focused on, I would say kind of basic, you know, helping our clients open up accounts, Uh, providing simple payment structures, receivable structures, giving them visibility to those accounts, I didn't really appreciate the more strategic and other parts of what my career was heading towards. You know, fast forward 20, 25 years later, the work that I do today, I think is is a lot more meaningful around not just helping clients expand their business to new markets, but also expanding the customer base. And I'll give you an example of that. If you take a look at the e-commerce business in the United States, most of the receivables are via credit cards. If you go online, you'll use your credit card. However, in the markets where we operate, it's a very small percentage of of the consumers actually have credit cards in many markets, particularly in Africa and, and in ASEAN. But in many cases, they'll have a cell phone and they may have a banking account. And the ability to provide e-commerce transactions to a much larger client base i think is a very noble idea because it it actually helps with financial inclusion in many of the countries where we operate and so to me that means that you know the work that i do has much more meaning because i think i truly believe that we're helping the society become a much more inclusive place particularly in some of the difficult markets where we operate
1: Fantastic, thank you Tarek. And then
3: Karen, what are the most important lessons you've learned in your, your career so far? I'd like to say that being nimble and flexible and knowing what you know and agreeing that this is new territory is probably one of the most important things I've learned. Uh, We can build on our experience to control the things that are controllable, but we've seen over the years there's so many uncontrollable or unexpected factors. We had the Asia crisis where companies were long dollars and suddenly, you know, starting in Indonesia and then spiraling across Asia, companies couldn't pay off debt. Nobody could have um, projected that, and how do you in cash management manage that? You suddenly go from a lending to a recovery, you know, trying to sell off the assets that you have. In the 08 financial crisis, we saw many of the main US banks, the top US banks, being downgraded below investment grade. Our companies were struggling to work with them. Um, how do you set up new banking relationships? Um, many of our corporates learned there that don't put all your eggs in one basket, as Tarek had said earlier, but have multiple banks in your markets. Besides a financial crisis, you might just have banks that strategically pull out of markets. And then lastly, I think the pandemic has taught us all so much about we can do more than we think we can do but also the more that we speak to each other and admit, hey, this is my problem, I'm trying to figure out how to pay my my team in South Africa or my payments aren't going through to Eastern Europe, what are you guys doing? That collaboration across the industry makes us all better and makes the process work more smoothly.
1: Fantastic, thank you for such a great discussion today. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much, Meg, it's been a pleasure. And thank you, Tarek.
2: Thank you so much, Meg, thanks for having us.
0: Thank you to Standard Chartered's Tarek Yaffe and Karen Hom for sharing their expertise in such a wide-ranging conversation. And thank you for listening. To hear more of our podcast episodes and to discover all our other audio content, please subscribe wherever you get your
2: podcasts from.